Well, good evening, church. It's lovely to see you guys. Um, we're going to have a bit of fun tonight, so I'm preaching, preaching my first sermon. I'm pretty excited, as you can tell. Um, so we're going to have some fun in this second series of this Advent season we've stepped into, um, where we've been looking on this topic called In Him Is Life. And so last week we had Tim bring us this power-packed sermon that spoke about the Word was God and the Word was with God and, and expanded on what it meant in Paul, John, not Paul, John, great start, John speaking to his readers, expanding on this idea of what Tim called the Logos. The Logos word, which was this rhythm, it was this DNA that ran almost as the natural law, I guess, in one sense, is the best way to describe it. This natural law, this principle of reason that held everything together. And Tim unpacked this to sort of say, what John was trying to explain to his readers who were primarily Greek was that this wasn't just this natural law. It wasn't just I grab a pen and the pen drops and it just happens because gravity. But it happens because there is this author, there is this creator that sits underneath everything. And so Tim continued to unpack what that meant in terms of having this creator, having this law which was not just a thing, a, a substance, a scientifically reasoned, but a person. But a person who in him was life. And as Tim closed out in verse 5, he started to unpack this beautifully power-packed section where we read about how it says the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And Tim went on this, this tangent where he was like, the darkness wasn't just there. Like this word did not just come to clean up the darkness. It came to expel it. It came to finish it. It came to crush it. Not just tidy this thing up and so it was like just there and it you know, did its thing. No, no, no. It was there so that when the light shines, the darkness no longer has room to exist. The darkness no longer has room to stay there. And so as we jump into this next section of this beautiful scripture in John 1, which we all heard read out before, I want us to explore this idea of what it means to be a people of light and life. What does it mean for us to understand this passage where this light is coming into the world? That we have a decision to make as to whether we believe into this light and receive its goodness, its abundance, its favor. And as a result, how that marks us as a people of light and life. I don't know about you, but 
I'm going to take us all back to our glory days, our, our, our high school days, our teenage days, our young adult days, when we love to get out and party. We love to get out and party and, and celebrate and have some fun. And I reckon all of us could probably remember that one person who, if they weren't there, that party was dead. If they weren't there, there was no life in that party. They didn't bring the vibes. They didn't bring the thrive. It was like, oh, I'm leaving. I'm out of here because there is no life in this party. But when that one person rocked up, everyone gravitated to them. It was like, yeah, I want to get on the dance floor. Yeah, I want to have some fun because this person brings life to the party. And so I want us to keep this idea in our head of this person who brings life to the party and ask you this question as to how do we bring the life to the party with the real life of the party, which we're going to unpack. And so as we have kicked off, we are in this series that is called In Him Is Life. And so continuing on from last week, I'm going to start by reading John 1, 9 to 13. It's behind me on the screen so you can all follow along. It says, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your presence here with us tonight. And God, as we step into this Christmas season, which has all sorts of emotions, the joy, the crazy, the busyness, the, the struggles, the joy, the tiredness, and the life. Father, as we step into this scripture, as we read John 1, would you unpack more of this beauty and power-packed just scriptures to us tonight and allow us to realize and recognize that in you there is life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so as we unpack this idea of becoming a people of light and life, it's important that we actually begin to understand what we've been marked by first. And we read in this first section, in verse 10, it says, verse 9, sorry, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. He was in... Sorry, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And so we enter into this. Is this working? Yeah, beautiful. That's the one. Now you can follow along. <laughs> and so we enter into this, this section where John is beginning to unpack what he originally spoke about in 4 and 5 where we have this life and light of all men that was entering into the world and the darkness could no longer overcome it. 
John goes a little bit further in this section to start unpacking this idea of what it means for the word to come into, for the word to come into the world, for it to come into focus, into reality, and not just be this logos that sat as a principle of reason and natural law, but a personal someone that was entering in. This is actually the Christmas story. This is this story of this baby Jesus entering in, coming into our context, not just as this far off distant person, being, thing, power, whatever you want to call it, but this personal revelation of a person who was entering in in order to understand us. And so I want to take us to this and I want us to recognize the shift that has occurred from what was talked about last week to what John is now unpacking this week. You see, in the first section of John 1 to 5, we we read about this word that was in the beginning and, and the word was God and it was with God and through him all things were made and nothing was made that has been made. We get this language of in the beginning, in, in the creation, in the start. Out there somewhere is this cosmic force being something that exists, that is creative, that is eternal, that is cosmic. And what John is saying here in this second half of this part, in John 1, 9 to 13, is that this thing, this person is coming into. It's coming into this personal revelation and not this distant object, not this distant power. It's becoming a personal, intimate thing I can touch, I can feel, I can see. Not only that, is John reconciling the fact that Jesus is a historical person. He's saying, no, 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 he took on flesh and entered our world. And as we continue on, it it unpacks this idea of becoming children of God as as we believe into this word, into this person of God, into the person of Jesus Christ, we get to know this Logos as a personal person, not just this force. It's a person that can be known, encountered, experienced. And so this is what John is essentially trying to tell us in this section, that this Logos word is no longer here up there somewhere in the sky, running its own little course, not interested about us, but it has entered in. It has come into our context, bringing a light and a life to all mankind. It's essentially this idea of scrolling through your social media and and seeing 
this ad for, I don't know, a new pair of shoes. And it's like, oh, cool, like that's a great pair of shoes. I can see it from a distance. But until that is in your hands, you've never actually had a personal revelation of that thing. You've never actually been able to experience that thing in its fullness. It's gone from here on your screen or here out in the cosmos to being face to face with this creation. John is trying to get across this idea that we have a personal God. He is trying to allow us to recognize the incarnation of Jesus is this revelation of our Father God who no longer sits there but has entered in and wants to know us and wants to do life with us and wants to see the darkness expelled from every area of our life by bringing this light to all mankind. Essentially, what John is saying is he's identifying this identity of God. He's saying it's Emmanuel. He's God with us now. He has entered in. He has come in to join us in this life, in this world, in our reality for what we can see today. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis because it just puts it in perspective exactly what John is trying to say. He puts it this way. He says, The second person in God, the Son became human himself, was born into the world as an actual man, a real man of a particular height, with a hair of a particular color, speaking a particular language weighing so many stone. The eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that a baby, and before that a fetus inside a woman's body. This is what John is trying to tell us. The God of heaven has entered in. He's become like one of us to get to know every single one of us. But you might be sitting here tonight being like, like why? Why would the God of the universe, who has no need to enter in, why would he do it? Well, the answer is pretty simple. To give life and light to a world that is hurting and broken. I mean, we only need to look through the news to understand. In this hour, we need a life and a light. And I don't know any other way to get it but through him. And so this is what John is unpacking. And I want to unpack a few extra scriptures that bring about this idea of the light entering in. And so 1 John 4, 5, 
which we saw last week. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This word that has entered in, has entered in for the purposes of bringing light and life to all mankind. And I want to draw this parallel. If we look at John 1, 4, 5, we can draw this parallel, and I want us to look at, life, look at it this way tonight, that the light is life. I'm going to flick over so you can see this. Light equals life. We go back to 1 John 4. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And so as we read tonight, I want us to just grab this word light and just translate it. That as the light enters in, the life enters in. As the light is given to everyone, the life is given to everyone. This is what John is trying to get across to his readers because in their context, they understand this. Yet today, we might need a little bit of a translation, something like this, that the light is alive. The light is alive. And as we continue to explore this idea of what it means that he has come and he's bringing life to our darkness, we see that there are two responses that John picks up on. Two responses that John picks up on in the following passage. In John 1, 10, 12, so continuing on, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John is saying, you receive this light, you receive this light, or you don't. John is leaving us with this challenge tonight, as well as back then, as to how are you going to respond to this light that has entered in? Are you going to be the one to not recognize him? Are you going to be the one to not receive him? Or are we going to be the people who believe into the name, receive his light, and get marked as the children of God? You see, the original context of this passage was John, as Tim explored last week, was essentially being an evangelist in his context, saying, this this Jesus guy is the word entered into the incarnation. 
And you either have a choice to receive him or to not. And I don't know whether you haven't recognized him up until this point, but I'm making it very clear. And so you've got a decision to make tonight. Is essentially what John is trying to do in this context, saying, guys, 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 this natural law, this principle, this, this power that you all believe in, we all believe, I think it's across the whole of humanity, we all believe in something. And John is just trying to direct their intention to Jesus, saying, receive him, recognize him, and believe in him. For then you will be a child of God. And so we have a choice tonight to receive or reject the incarnation of Jesus. And as I was doing a bit of study, it was actually interesting. One of the commentators wrote that one of the biggest tragedies of humanity is that so many of us still cannot recognize our deep need for Jesus. There is a world that is still living in darkness. And if I had my way, I would have started the sermon with lights off, sitting in this darkness and asking you the question, what are you going to do about it? Have you received this light? Have you received him tonight? And if you have, how are we becoming the people of light and life? And so for many of us, we, we probably sit in this section where, where John talks about being born of God, of those who believe into this revelation and incarnation of Jesus. He gives us this idea of being born into, being born of God, being made anew by his light and his life, which we read in John 1, 12 to 13. So as we follow on, it says, yet to all who believe, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We have been given this opportunity to step into life. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in, in, this, in Mere Christianity when he talks about this idea of, of being a pack of tin soldiers. And this pack of tin soldiers essentially have the opportunity to be made real. Yet they are stuck in not wanting to be changed, in not wanting to become real and experiencing the fullness of life because all they know is the tin. I mean, as I was thinking about this, I was like, isn't this just the story of Toy Story? Like <laughs> all these plastic toys in the middle of the night, they just wake up and, I mean, like they don't transform into real horses and, and real slinky dogs, but like sort of. They're still plastic. They sort of come alive. Maybe Toy Story was onto something. Um, that'll preach. But I think C.S. Lewis goes on to explain this just so beautifully in this quote here. It says, What then 
is the difference which he has made to the whole human masses. It is just this, that the business of becoming a son of God, of being turned from a created thing into a begotten thing, of passing over from the temporary temporary biological life into timeless spiritual life has been done for us. Humanity is already saved in principle. We individuals have to appropriate that salvation. But the real tough work, the bit we could not have done for ourselves, has been done for us. We have not got to try to climb up into the spiritual life by our own efforts. It has already come down into the human race. If we will only lay ourselves open to the one man in whom it was fully present and who in spite of being God is also a real man, he will do it in us and for us. Remember what I said about the good infection. One of our own race has this new life. If we get close to him, we shall catch it from him. If we get close to him, we shall catch it from him. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I need that life. I need that life more than ever. And the opportunity is here to believe into him and receive it, to be born of God. And the simplicity of it, as C.S. Lewis says, is the hard stuff has been done for us. And I don't want to cookie crumble, cookie coat this, sugar coat, that's the word, sugar coat this thing, but Romans also makes it really, really simple. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ raised, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if the hard stuff's been done for us and the only option we have to get close to this light is to get close to this life, And the way through which we do that is to declare with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and Christ raised from the dead. What have we got to lose? What have we got to lose this Christmas to embrace this life that is available to all of us? And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to the crowd. Most of us probably wouldn't be sitting in here if we weren't on this journey of exploring this light and life of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, if you're sitting here and and you haven't quite gotten to that point of embracing it, can I offer that invitation to you tonight? Can I offer that invitation to step into the light and life of Jesus Christ and just see what it will do for you? You see, five years ago, I hated getting up on a stage. I was petrified. Now, I was a good student. I was, I was good at sport. I was good at school. And so I was getting awards all the time. And it petrified me to get up there and just smile. 
and stand there with my cute little award. I was petrified. And then over the last five years, I find myself standing on stages. I preached my first sermon in my high school in front of 300 people. Like what? I get the opportunity to stand here tonight in front of I don't know how many people and preach again. I've been over on Bible college trips, on mission trips, standing in front of 6,000 people leading praise, leading fun and games. Because he has changed me. He has brought this light and life out of me, marking me with this scripture which still stays in my heart today, 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. That has now marked my life because he, the king of glory, has entered in. I'm not going to stand up here and bluff my way through this and not tell you that the light and the life of Jesus Christ has changed my life. I wouldn't be doing this tonight if it hadn't. If I hadn't seen people radically changed. If I hadn't seen my own life radically changed by the light and life of Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be here. And so that is my invitation to you tonight. If you are sitting here still trying to make your mind up, Go out on a limb. Give it a try. Give it a taste. Open this blind just a little bit and see how much the light will change your life. But for the rest of us who are sitting in here who have embraced this already, we have a challenge to be his witnesses. We have a challenge not to just sit here with this life in us and not let that overflow. And it's interesting that we actually skipped this section of John 1, 6 to 8, where it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to it. John came as a witness to the light. He was not the light, but he was witnessing to it. And we stand here today with John 1 in our hands, in the flesh, because a guy named John had the boldness to testify about it. And so my question to you tonight, if you're sitting here, is how are you testifying about the light that has changed your life? You see, as Jesus was leaving and departing this earth, having impartated this revelation of who Father God was, he left his disciples with this mandate to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
this is a command. This is a calling that doesn't just sit on the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers, the prophets, but it sits on all of us who have had our life transformed by him. We have a responsibility to be his witnesses, just like John. And so as I conclude, I I want to, again, provide this insight as to what I have seen firsthandedly when the light enters in. I've been walking alongside a bunch of young people. I get that privilege of doing that here at One um, as, as a youth ministry assistant. It's such a privilege and it is such a joy to see young people making a decision to follow this light and life. But for a lot of these kids, they've been raised in Christian homes and, and they get it and it's almost like this moment it clicks and something makes sense and it's beautiful to see. But I've also seen young people who have no revelation, no background for this, come and enter in. And I want to tell you about one story about a little year nine girl who as I'm sitting at this shed ministry, sharing a little bit about my life, a little bit about how the light of Jesus has entered in, comes to me after it, not Christian, no background, no context for it, and says to me, tell me more. I, I, I want to be able to hear and experience God like that. How do, how, like, how do I do it? And so we went on this journey of discipling her, a bunch of us young adults, including her friends who'd been praying for her and wanting to see this transformation occur, this light enter in. And I can testify today saying two years down the track, she rocks up every Wednesday night with her Bible in hand, more highlighted, more underlined than probably my Bible as scary as that is to say, saying, teach me more, show me more. How do I get this? Oh, yeah, I remember when I was as sick as a child and I was in hospital and I look back now and the grace of God was over my life. Only the light of Jesus could bring about that revelation, this transformation of seeing a young person come and encounter the light. I've got another story about one of my other guys who's got a rough background, a rough home. And one week he comes to us and he just goes, um, can you pray for me after? The night's finished. And we're like, sure. Yeah, can do. And so we gathered a team around him and, and we prayed for him after this Wednesday night session and he was buzzing again. He was down, he walked in downcast, he walked down depressed, he walked in anxious and disrupted and disturbed and he walked out revived and he comes back the next week and goes, and this is when you know he's still on this journey, that prayer worked. Thank you so much for that prayer. I haven't had one of them in a very long time. Can we make this a regular thing? 
because my week was so much better. And so we now have set a time to sit down with him and say his little prayer once a month because he has had just this little glimpse of the light of Jesus entering in. Now he hasn't fully understood it, but the blind has been pulled up just a little bit, just a little bit, and I'm believing in faith in due time. The light and life of Jesus Christ will enter in. I could tell you, I could go on for hours about testifying about the ways I've seen the light and life of Jesus Christ bring about healing. Like backs healed, shoulders, pain gone like that. Deaf ears opened. People getting out of wheelchairs and walking. And I don't fully understand it, but I do know that the light and life of Jesus Christ is the only thing that could bring about that. And so that is why I need it and want it and have it in my life today. And so as we conclude, I want to leave us with this challenge as to how are we witnessing to the light this Christmas? How are we taking up our responsibility as Christians in the 21st context, 21st century context, in the same manner and rhythm as John? where he comes as a witness. Our job here on earth is to get to know him and to get to show him. That's all it is. That's really the simplicity of life. Enjoy it all. But our job is to get to know him and to get to show him. And so this Christmas, I want us to just think, to just pray And to believe as to who needs to still have that little window seal just lifted, just a little bit. We don't need to swing it wide open because we all know that when you get up in the morning and you swing the blinds open, it's like, it's a bit disorientating. Some people are ready for it. Some people can just, the light can come in and it can come and do its thing. But what I've noticed is most people just need the blind slowly lifted, slowly opened, saying, yep, there's a little bit more. He's a little bit more. He's a little bit more about what he's been doing in my life. How can I be praying for you? Yeah, I went to church on Sunday. It was the best time. Oh, we've got this ethical night market on Thursday. You don't even have to preach at them. But you provide this opening into an environment where they have to start asking questions. What is this building? What do you do here? And so I don't want us to get greedy this Christmas because the promise here is that the light is coming into the world in verse 9, the true light that gives light to every 
man was coming into the world. We just need people to help them recognize it. I don't know about you, but sometimes if you're in a new environment, but you're with a mate who knows how to walk that track, you're like, oh, great, I'm comfortable. I can do this. Someone's got my hand. Someone knows the direction we're heading in. I know they're not trying to stumble me. I know they're not trying to trick me. But I couldn't have done that myself because that's scary. I don't know what's ahead. I don't know where, like, what could I fall into? What could I stumble over? Like, what am I going to have to wrestle with myself? But if we take a friend, it's like, oh, la di da di da you know. We're just tracking down to the beach, and I know there's a beach on the other end because my mate knows there's a beach on the other end. I've got nothing to worry about. And so in him, there is life. The challenge for us is how do we embrace it and how do we learn to witness to it? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you for the opportunity we have to see your light and life enter in, to have this opportunity to allow the light and life of Jesus Christ to come into our life. Father, we thank you for every single one of us that is on that journey, no matter how far we are on that. God, would you just help us to lift the curtain, to lift that blind a little bit more? And Lord, if we need to help someone else do that, would you give us the boldness? Would you give us the courage this Christmas to reveal and witness to your entering in? And so, Father, would you fill us with your life? Would you fill us with your light? We welcome you in, Holy Spirit. Come and speak. Come and move. Come and commission us out to be light bearers in every situation, in every season. For we are the people of the light and the life. And so for that, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we magnify your name. Let us learn to love you more. Let us learn to welcome you in more. And help us to walk in your light and your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.